You're listening to the Elevate Podcast, the official podcast of the Coastal LA Singles Ministry, where our focus is reaching up, reaching in, and reaching out. Now, I do want to thank uh, Stephen and Christina for helping us on out, get things going here today, filling us in all the uh, different events we've got going on churchwide. Um, I'm excited to be here. My name is Steve Marici, and um, one of the evangelists here in our coastal Los Angeles region. Very excited about the opportunity I have to uh, serve the church on the various levels that uh, I'm able to. And uh, just uh, a couple of other things. Again, if you're uh, a guest with us tonight, do you have a free Bible for you in the back? If you are a small group leader, and uh, if you are a young Christian, one year or younger, uh, small group leaders, please pull those for uh, young Christians in your group. We have a disciples handbook for everybody. And then, men, how many of you guys did Series 33 last year? You guys ready to engage on that again this year? Uh, it's definitely an awesome series. And um, the, uh, what we're dealing with this year is the particular breakout. It's uh, volume two. It's entitled A Man and a Story. And it uh, really goes through all the different things that kind of shape us growing up. There's various things that take place, sometimes challenges, things that are uh, challenges to overcome. This is really going to help us uh, put some of the aspects of our past to bed they can have a negative influence on our present and our future. And uh, just a really, really, really great series. So if you want to kind of get the jump on this, we do have these available as well. It's $10 a piece for these. We do have those in the back. If you want to go ahead and pick one of those up tonight, we'll have them available. Getting back to our series, The Divine Romance. Our subcaption this evening was, or is, Who is Love? Let me uh, get through our Women's Day here and... Bam, there we go. Who is love? 1 John 4, verse 8, I think uh, does a pretty good job of defining it for us. And we're going to take a look at the, uh, briefly at the nature and essence of God and uh, get into some things that will help us keep from drifting away from the incredible God that we are blessed to have a relationship with. 1 John 4, verse 8, out of the Holman's Bible, it reads, The one who does not love does not know God. You know, it doesn't take us... Uh, Really, we don't have to look too far to find individuals that fall within that category. I mean, you look at the news today and just the craziness that is going on worldwide in the name of God. Yeah, yeah the Bible's real clear here. John the Apostle's real clear. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. So who is love? We see it demonstrated in our lives as Christians every day. It's God. Yeah. If it was nothing more than the fact that he'd sent Jesus Christ to die for us. Shouldn't that be enough? And just really understanding that we don't deserve salvation. We don't deserve a relationship with God. We really don't deserve anything. But God knitted us in the womb. God wants that relationship with us so badly. He was willing to come down in the flesh to die for our sins so that we could have that relationship with him. Uh, as uh, was stated, we, uh, we had uh, a number of uh, breakouts in this. I had the first one. Brian Craig actually uh, was here last week dealing with our Spiritual relationships can to the heart of a disciple. Again, this evening, we're looking at this. Well, let me go back here. Yeah, let's see. Where do we go? Okay, in talking about God, nature of God, and the essence of God, kind of easy to break it down like this. We've got uh, a group of Siberian Huskies here. My son uh, has had a few through the years. I actually had one going back a number of years ago, and they're a rather interesting breed. One, uh, as you can see, what would one of the attributes be looking at them right now? Exactly. That's, that's a real good one. It's probably out of all the dogs that uh, have been domesticated, it's the closest to the lineage of wolf. Uh, certain breeders actually introduce wolf every fourth or fifth generation, uh, so they don't have issues with inbreeding. But um, nature of something, well, with Siberian Huskies, just kind of give you an idea, the nature of Siberian Husky, they have some predominant traits. They're a beautiful dog, blue eyes, brown eyes, sometimes a mix. They're incredibly smart. They're talkers. Uh, if you uh, have seen Star Wars, you're familiar with Chewbacca. That's what they sound like. <laughs> they are escape artists. Now, some, sometimes they don't know it. We had a uh, six-foot chain-link fence at the bottom of a hill, 
And they do one of two things. Before I could get to them, they could either dig underneath it or jump over it. And um, we find various animals, birds, and things that they deposit in the backyard that they had brought in. But so this kind of gives you an idea of the nature of Siberian Huskies. It falls within that area of attributes. Now, essence. Um, just kind of thinking about that. Essence of something, like the essence of mint or the essence of eucalyptus. What comes to mind? Yeah, aren't you dealing with certain properties that come from the actual tree or the actual herb? So this this kind of what we're dealing with here, the essence of something. Well, of eucalyptus has the properties of eucalyptus leaves. What are some of the things that eucalyptus can do? Anti-inflammatory, antispasmodic, decongestant, deodorant, antiseptic, antibacterial, and other medicinal qualities. So the essence of basic nature of a thing, quality or qualities that make a thing what it is. A substance that contains a very strong form, special qualities, again, taste, smell. But when we talk about God, when we talk about defining God, the nature of God, essence of God, is it that simple? Because basically what we'll do is we'll, we'll assign attributes that we're aware of when it comes to human nature. And we, we know that we're created in God's image, but doesn't that fall short? You know, when we think of the love of God. We, we can put that on out there, but do we even really understand what that is? The mercy of God, the grace of God. Again, attributes. Defining the essence of God isn't something that's easy to do. And that, again, it deals with those basic things, quality or qualities. And I think we've got to be careful that we don't put God into a box when it comes to defining those attributes. Definitions. Attributes. We can say that God is, well, what are some of the things that come to mind? We think of God. Big? Love? Let me see some hands. I'm not good at filtering. Kike? Powerful? Sovereign? Holy? Okay, and some of the biggies. Omnipotent. Omniscient. I mean, just things that we can't even really comprehend. Omnipresent. I mean... All places, all time, all powerful, all knowing. It's crazy when we really think about God. And, you know, the ones that do stand out to me, loving, holy, perfect, pure, wise. And we can understand these things conceptually, but it doesn't mean we are accurately describing the essence or the nature of God. He's different. He's not the same as us. And I think a lot of times we can kind of get caught up in this idea that, well, we're created in God's image, and how many times do we kind of push God to the side and, step into that role ourselves. And I think it's because of that lack of understanding that we can go there, and that's why we need to be careful. So when we describe him, we can only describe God in ways with which each and every one of us are familiar with personally, but the bottom line is these descriptions are never going to be totally sufficient. The essence of Jesus Christ, for me, it's a little bit easier. John 14, verse 6. Why would it be easier? came down in the flesh. Loved like we can, emotions, the wide array of emotions that we have, a lot of things there that are similar. Died as a man in the flesh. In John 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you know my Father as well. From now on, you do not know him or from now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? You know, this is the thing that's so incredible about Jesus Christ is we have the nature and the essence of God through Christ. You know, what are some of the things that we've heard about God? We kind of covered some of those earlier today, or earlier this evening. He's loving, powerful, all these different things. What are some of the things that we've heard about Jesus? What are some of the things we've read about Christ? Brian? Amen? Compassionate? I mean, that's so huge in light of the religious leaders of the day. He was so contrary to what the religion of the day 
was, that was demonstrated. Not what the people were called to, but you look at the degree of compassion he had for everyone. Different cultures, different genders, stuff that the religious leaders of the day had issues with based on the individuals that he would actually interact with or touch. So compassionate. God wants us to love him and each other. And Jesus demonstrated that for us. That's something that Jesus called us to. I think really understanding when it comes to our walk, there's no soloist in this life. We can't do it on our own. First and foremost, we need to do it with God. But you know what? You look at the situation with Jesus and his 12. He was a physical presence. And even with that, weren't there, were there still challenges? Were there still issues? I mean, how many times did he remind his guys? How many times did he walk them down the same road? Maybe a different parable to explain something that he already had explained. And really understanding as Christians, we need people in our lives. We need those types of relationships. I've got 24 years under my belt as a Christian. In light of my 56 years on the planet, not a very long time. But I can tell you definitively, without other people in my life, I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be faithful. And really understanding the need for those relationships. Andrew McCauley uh, was a gentleman that sent out from Australia to New Zealand by himself in a kayak. He was married, had a five-year-old son, and against advice. So a lot of different individuals in his life that understood what it would be like to travel that distance. Didn't have a chase team with him. Didn't have a navigator on ground with him that could radio to him. Was adamant about doing this by himself. And the thing that's scary about the whole situation is he covered the distance from New Zealand to Australia, got caught up in a fog bank, and didn't realize it was only 25 miles offshore. He sank and he drowned. Left his wife, left his child. I think just really understanding that there are the physical implications of what he went through has spiritual implications for us. You know, it was a group of men that just recently covered a similar distance in the Atlantic Ocean. There were three of them that set out. They had a chase team. They had a, a guy on the ground. The storm came up. The chase team had to pull out, and they were missing for four days. They ended up about 1,200 miles off course because of a storm that they went through. Two of the three survived, but there were, it was a team effort. The guy on the ground sent out the Coast Guard. If, there hadn't, if it hadn't been for him, the Coast Guard wouldn't have been sent. They would not have been found. But just really understanding how important it is for us to be involved with each other and that any of us can go adrift. Any of us can lose sight of what an amazing God we have a relationship with, what an amazing God we serve, a God that extended all kinds of grace and mercy and love to each and every one of us individually. But we can get choked out by different things that go on in our lives as Stephen talked about tonight, you know, some of you coming in here, I appreciate the effort you made. I know some of you had to drive an incredible amount of distance. We got that wonderful thing called the 405 that we have to contend with, which uh, may contribute. It may not have been the workout that contributed to the sore glutes. It was probably the 405. But just understanding what we're about, and you guys need to be commended before God for making that effort to get here. 
But just realize we need to be involved with each other. We need each other in order to be able to get to heaven. Hebrews 2.1 says, We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard. What have we heard? Go back and you look at the Gospels. What have we heard? Heard about Jesus Christ. We know he's the way. We know he's the truth. We know he's the life. We know what he's established for us. We have the epistles that were written for us that deal with life. may have been 2,000 years ago, but the life situations aren't any different today. You need a job. You need to make money. You have individuals that don't have the same focus that you do in life when it comes to spirituality, the relationship with God, and all these things can tear at us. All these things can cause us to drift. I want to uh, continue with just a little bit of additional footage here on uh, McCullough as we go forward here. Big, big, big seas. Very scary, and it left me feeling very vulnerable. I'm in a kayak. I'm in the middle of nowhere. I'd rather be at home. Looks a bit dangerous to me. I don't want to go over. Well, I, I never will do anything as hard as this again in the future. Today I've seen two sharks. One followed right behind the boat. He was like that far from the rear of the boat. Uh, looked like a great white. Again, just amazing what he was willing to go through. And it may be hard to hear some of the uh, some of the clips, but one of the things that he said was, "I'm never going to do this again." Little did he know. But you know, with that, just the what had ended up taking place. Solo, on his own, no one else involved. forever. I mean, that's something we need to realize as well. What we do today has an influence on our eternity. Making sure that we, we understand that. You know, and thinking back through what we said about Jesus, what's the truth that we've heard? It's kind of laid out right here. We've seen that Jesus Christ, Son of God, is the appointed heir of all things. As he shared with Philip, who is he? If you've seen him, you have the opportunity to interact with him, you know what he's about, what he stood for, the things that he, and people that he engaged, God in the flesh. He's our sustainer, our redeemer, firstborn. We need to worship him. We need to love him. We need to make sure he's a part of our daily walk. The Lord, Yahweh, Jesus referred to as Lord. We know that there's the plurality in Genesis and John. It talks about Jesus being there, the creator, with God, side by side. And ultimately, it's the way to the Father. Who's the way? Jesus Christ. Really understanding what can happen, how we can kind of get off course when it comes to our relationship with God, our relationship with Christ, and then our relationship with each other. So what we're going to do tonight is we're going to look at some of the reasons behind the warning that we saw in Hebrews. There's various currents that we have to contend with in life that can cause us to drift. And with that, I think we can identify those things. It gives us the ability to stay on course, not drift off course. Reasons behind the warning. I think one of the biggest ones is we see in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3, says, so what makes us think we can escape if we ignore this great salvation that was first announced by the Lord Jesus himself and then delivered to us by those who heard him speak? What makes us think? Why would the author of Hebrews bring this up? We go through, we go through our lives as it possible. We go through our days, and maybe not intentionally, but do we ignore our great salvation? 
We ignore what God has done for us through His Son. And where can that lead us? Hebrews 3, verse 12, it says, Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters, make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. You know, we've got situations in our fellowship throughout Coastal where exactly what's being warned against here has taken place. Make sure your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving. What happens when we engage in sin? You know, we know, we know what we're talking about. Galatians 5, Mark 7, even James 4, the sins of omission. What happens to our hearts? We know why we lived in a fallen state. It was because of compromises we made. When we were kids, how many of you made promises or vows to yourself in looking at friends or family members that you would never do what you saw taking place? I know I did on all, all kinds of just on so many different fronts. One one of the ones that's most embarrassing for me is the vows that I made when I married my wife. And then two years in, I violated them. Wasn't a Christian. But, you know, even with that, even being agnostic, I knew morally there were issues with that, and I beat myself up over it. And it it was so challenging just seeing the trust that I loved so much that I had for my wife being destroyed because of the actions that I took. Where's the start? Compromise. Impurity. Maybe the wrong relationships. Relationships with those that don't have the same focus as you, that you do. Bad company corrupts good character. You know, being, being paired off with people in the world, you know, spending more time with coworkers that have no clues of what Jesus Christ is about and the gift of salvation that you received, and we just let those walls down, and a heart gets harder and harder and harder. You know, we've got more divorce in the last few years in our church locally than I've seen in the entire time I've been a Christian. Why? Right here in this passage. People not being careful, not making sure that their own hearts weren't evil. And, you know, the other aspect of that, people knew the various things that were going on in each of those individuals' lives, and they valued the, the shallowness of the relationship that they had with those brothers than they did their own relationship with God and engaging these individuals and calling them out on their sin. And it's amazing the things that can distract us. You know, we, we went through a challenging time last year. The last couple of years, there's been stuff going on. But if that becomes the thing that we focus on, if those are the things that we go after, it's destructive. You know, we can take these things on as a mission. Well, how about the mission that God called us to through his son? Love God. Love one another. Go, make disciples of all nations. If we're not careful, we drift, and we can ignore our salvation. You know, what are some of the things that can turn us away from God? We can sin to the point in our lives where there's no longer a sacrifice that will cover that sin. Our hearts get so hard-hearted we get to the point where, you know what, I don't need this anymore. Or, you know what, maybe I'll come back in a different stage in life. Right now it's just too challenging for me to be engaged in this level. I've got to drive to midweeks. I've got this going on. I've got work situations. I've got financial challenges. I've got, and you know, we can all just roll that list on out. But you've got to be open. If you're struggling, if you're having issues, if you're not feeling strong in your faith, be real about where you're at. I guarantee you there's brothers and sisters that you're sitting next to right now that could share with you like challenges and how they overcame them. How they've got anchors, certain passages in the Bible that they are anchored to that will keep them from drifting when the storms hit. And the storms will hit. That's the long and the short of it. Hebrews 10, verse 26, it reads, Dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning after we receive knowledge of the truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. There is only the terrible expectation of God's judgment and the raging fire that will consume his enemies. You know, we, I, I know there are times I've read this, and, you know, that last portion of the uh, passage there, is that something that fires us up? God? Loving God? A God of judgment? A God of raging fire that will consume his enemies? 
We, we can sit here and we can pick this passage apart. You know, God's got issues. You know, I, I talked about this a little bit on Sunday. You want to understand what a loving God you have, read the book of Hosea. It's amazing what he called Hosea to to demonstrate for the people how heartbroken he was over the, 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 the men and women, the Israelites, that he had raised up, that he had delivered, who he had blessed, and yet they were willing to turn their back on him and, and run off with another spouse, blow God off or whatever the gods of the day were. And, you know, the, the Israelites at that point in time were a very prosperous nation, but they forgot who was responsible for their prosperity. Hebrews 10, verse 26 in the message reads, If we give up and turn our backs on all we've learned, all we've been given, all the truth that we know, we repudiate Christ's sacrifice and are left on our own to face judgment, and a mighty fierce judgment it will be. If the penalty for breaking the law of Moses is physical death, what do you think will happen if we turn on God's Son, spit on the sacrifice that made you whole, and insult the most gracious spirit? This is no light matter. God has warned us that he will hold us to an account and make us pay. He was quite explicit. Vengeance is mine, and I won't overlook a thing, and God will judge his people. Nobody's getting away with anything, believe me. And then Hebrews 10, verse 32, continuing the message, it says, Remember those earlier days after you first saw the light? Those were the hard times, kicked around in public targets of every kind of abuse. Some days it was you, other days your friends. If some friends went to prison, you stuck by them. If some enemies broke in and seized your goods, you let them go with a smile, knowing they couldn't touch your real treasure. Nothing they did bothered you. Nothing set you back. So don't throw it all away now. You were sure of yourselves then. It's still a sure thing. But you need to stick it out, staying with God's plan, so you'll be there for the promised completion. What does God want for each and every one of us? Doesn't he want everybody to be saved? He wants his entire creation to be saved. And we look at what the early Christians went through, the persecution, property being seized, loved ones being thrown in jail, attacked on the inside, attacked on the outside, all these different things. I mean, if there was ever a reason to drift knowing that a loved one could potentially be killed for not denying Christ. Yet if it wasn't for those that really understood the gift that we have through Christ, would we even have the message today? And just looking what our forerunners have done for us in the perseverance that they demonstrated, to me it's so encouraging knowing that whatever we're faced with, it pales in comparison to what they went through, and they stood firm. How much more so for us? We've got to stay the course. We've got to see it through to completion. You know, here's what we lose if we drift, we drift away. We saw it in Hebrews 2, verse 3. We lose a great salvation. And just thinking through what salvation represents for us, it's a great salvation because it offers the forgiveness of sin. You know, I, look at, I look at how meaningful that has been to me, knowing that all the garbage that went on in my life before I became a Christian, and even the things that have taken place since, that that sacrifice of Jesus Christ means something. Those sins are still washed away in his blood today. I look at the transformation of my character. You know, we, we talk about this men's 33 that's coming up. And I was destined for nothing other than, being nothing other than what I experienced growing up, being an abuser, mentally, verbally, physically. That was my upbringing. And those things were starting to manifest itself in my life with my kids. I mean, road rage, I mean, there was all kinds of stupid stuff that went on because of what was inside here. Jesus Christ gave me the ability to break those chains. It's been 25 years since I've chased somebody down on the freeway, bumping them at 80 miles an hour. It's been 25 years since I've pulled somebody out of a car and gotten into a fist fight with them. It's been 25 years, 26 years in, in not having gotten in a fight with someone over me being jealous or envious. You know, somebody looking at my wife the wrong way, and that giving me justice to go off, which, it, needless to say, wasn't the case, but feeling justified in each of these situations. Jesus gave me the ability to overcome those things. You know, the assurance of God's presence and protection. 
I love being able to pray to God to protect my family, to protect the church. You know, we we had a, about 110 people studying the Bible right now in Coastal LA to be able to pray for God's protection for each one of those individuals, knowing that, guys, they've entered the battle for the first time as they're studying the Bible. To Satan, they were a non-issue. The minute they start studying the Word, they're a target. Satan doesn't want to lose them. You know, I, I believe that list went out to everybody on CCB. Let's all be praying for each one of these individuals. Let's be praying for ourselves in this group here. Small group leaders, pray for those that are in your group. Those that are in the groups, pray for your leaders. Let, let's keep Satan at bay. Let's, let's correct. If there's a drift, let's correct it. And, and with that, have the ability to stand firm and be a light to a lost world. A clear and peaceful conscience. I mean, that is so huge to me today. I remember staying up nights. Some of those nights in tears over the, the mess that my life was, the damage that I had done to people, and not having that issue today. And ultimately, the biggest thing when it comes to that great salvation that is ours to hold on to or ours to lose is eternal hope. I mean, outside of a relationship with God, what kind of hope is there in the world today? And we've got that hope. We've got that understanding. How many of you on the day you were baptized, after you came out of the water, were just really ticked off, bummed out, and uh, bored, you know, lacking in enthusiasm and excitement? Anybody? I saw that, Brian. <laughs> and you know what's awesome in just bringing that up is seeing the smiles on your faces right now. I mean, wasn't that a great time? You know, somebody says, go to your happy place. Isn't that a good place to go? I mean, being sinless, having those sins washed away, coming up out of that water and feeling like you could take on the world. Have received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And how's that any different today? Other than the fact, the further removed we get from that day, the more things Satan will throw at us to try and dissuade us from the enthusiasm and the excitement that we had. So much so. I mean, you remember how it was, man. You were bursting at the seams. You were telling everybody about what you did. You know, some of you told your parents they were going to hell. My wife was one of those. You know, guess what, Mom? We've been doing it wrong all these years. And I'm sure she was appreciative hearing that from her then uh, 20... How old the heck was Jackie then? Five, 20, 26 maybe, telling her mom, you know, that all these years that she'd been doing it wrong. Praise God she made it. It probably took her a little bit longer because of that wonderful little outburst on my wife's part. But remembering where we've come from and what God has done for us and the hope that we have. You know, here's some of the currents that can cause us to drift. Galatians 6, verse 9. So, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. There may be some of you sitting in here tonight that are thinking about giving up. You know what? You wouldn't be the first and you won't be the last. But get help. You don't have to go it you don't have to go it alone. That's what's so incredible about what God calls us to. Love God, love your neighbor. I mean it's amazing. If we would just embrace those two concepts on a daily basis, what would our lives look like? What would our communities look like? What would the world look like? The current of familiarity, Revelations two, verse four. So we've got to be careful because if we become, as we become familiar with the truth, and we get further removed from the, those days that we enter the waters of baptism, our lives can become kind of humdrum. We just kind of go through the motions, may see commonplace, and then, you know what? We ultimately we lose that sense of newness that put that smile on everybody's face here. We can start to take it for granted. And like the Ephesians that we're going to see here in Revelations 2, we may lose our first love and the fervor for the devotion that we had to God when we first made him Lord of our lives. Revelations 2 verse 4 says, But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you've fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. Now we lose sight. Again, of what an amazing God we serve. We lose sight of the transformed lives that we currently live. And we've got to be careful because if we don't, it'll set us adrift. The current of society, 
1 Corinthians 15, verse 33. You know, I think this, this one's a biggie. Even from a standpoint of just some of the cultural things that we've had to deal with through the last few years in the church. You know, tides of opinion. I've heard freedom in Christ more in the last few, two or three years than I have, again, all the years I've walked on the face of this planet. And I think freedom is something that can seduce us. We are free in Christ. And we have the ability to make whatever decisions we want on a daily basis. But there can be repercussions if they're the wrong ones. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33, when it comes to the society that we're part of, and one of the currents that can take us off course, don't be fooled, verse 33, by those who say such things. For bad company corrupts good character. Think carefully about what is right and stop sinning. For to your shame, I say that some of you don't know God at all. I mean, these are Christians being addressed here. And this shouldn't be a surprise. We, we, we live in a fallen state. Jesus has given us the ability to kind of push that aside and be transformed and clothed in Christ. So we look perfect to God because Jesus is our mediator. But it's very easy to go back to what we were familiar with. And Satan has us convinced that it's an easier road. And that, that, that ease of returning can put us in a position where we get to the point where no one would even think that we're a Christian or a disciple based on the way we're conducting ourselves. And again, just being careful when it comes to the currents that we can get caught up in. The current of the flesh, Galatians 5, verse 16. You know, Paul talks about this in the book of Romans. Romans 7 and 8. You know, you've, I'm sure you've heard it said, I mean, if we have two dogs that get into a fight, a righteous dog and a wicked dog, which one's going to win? You know, some of you guys remember, it's the one you feed. Well, most people say the righteous one, but you know, the, the bottom line is, it's what goes into that dog. It's what goes into us. Are we going after the word the way that we need to? Are we going after our relationships that we need, the way we need to? Are we praying the way that we need to? So our flesh is constantly waging war against our souls. Paul got it. I mean, there were, there were issues that he had in his own personal life where he appealed to God to take it away. But ultimately he realized that those very things were the things that would help him stay reliant on God the Father. Galatians 5 verse 16 reads, So I, will, I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you will be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil. This is just something that we've got to deal with every day, every waking hour, every waking minute. That sinful nature is in there, and Satan knows it. He knows the buttons to push. You know, you've got an unresolved issue with one of the brothers. Brothers, Satan will use that, and it will fester, and you'll get bitter. And all of a sudden, you know, oh, man, this, this group, these guys, man, they don't get it. It's a bunch of garbage. Nobody understands me. No one's walking it. No one's living it. And we walk. We leave. You know, when it comes to encouraging one another, dating relationships, do we understand, brothers and sisters, that the world is out there going after us? Satan knows what person to put in our lives right at the right time to make that appeal to give you the, that emotional connection, the right words, the right timing, just when you're not, doing, you're not doing your best, you're not strong. But here's the thing, if we're more involved in that level with each other, doesn't it, doesn't it kind of put up a few walls that may be a little bit of protection when Satan does come? And really understanding that we need to be there to encourage one another along those, those lines. Yeah, it's great if you're looking for a long-term relationship. You know, should that be the primary focus? If you're looking for a, a long-term relationship, the primary focus should be God. And knowing what God establishes in the Scriptures gives us the ability to know how we should interact with each other, the way we need to be there for each other, and not thinking that, you know, well, somebody else will meet the need or somebody else will take care of it or, you know, this is not my gift. We all have the ability to encourage each other and really understanding the significance of that. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. Those two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. The Spirit wants. The Spirit gives. But what are we doing with the Spirit? 
Are we fanning that flame? Are we in the Word the way that we need to? Are we praying about things that we, the way we need to? Or are we basically biting the Spirit's wrist because of things that we pursue? Just being careful. Again, this is another current, the current of the flesh that can take us off course. Purity issues. Men and women. But I know it's much more of a predominant issue with men. It was a major, major issue for me before I became a Christian and it raised its ugly head again years later because I wasn't engaged with people the way that I needed to. I wasn't open about what was going on. Had gotten bitter because of a situation. Pulled back from God. Pulled back from the Word. Could have destroyed my marriage. Could have destroyed the relationship with my kids. But I had individuals that engaged me. Are we being open? And guys, I just want to put this out there. It's great to confess. It's great to be open. God calls for repentance. I think we've got to be careful that we're not kidding ourselves. Well, I'm open. You know, I'm talking to people about it. Well, what are you doing to change it? And and the bottom line is, if you want to change it, the the tools are out there. There's other brothers and sisters that have been victorious in in these areas. There's books that they've read. There's prayers that they've prayed. There's people that they've been involved with. There's resources on the Internet. I mean, it's all there. But are you comfortable with just confessing it rather than actually wanting to change it? You know, just, it's kind of like a little pet, you know. It's something you kind of keep there at the side and, you know, you go there every once in a while. But eventually it'll bite. And we've got to be careful. Final one. The current of daily concerns out of the book of Luke 21, verse 34. It says, uh, watch out. Why? How many of you feel pressure on a daily basis? <laughs> the rest of you? Amen, hallelujah. You need to share with the rest of us how you manage to uh, get through life without feeling any pressure. Maybe it's right now, and that's a good thing. You still need to share it. But, you know, there are these daily things that we deal with. There's daily cares, anxieties, duties, work, hours, things that we have to engage on. And all these things can distract us. Jesus warned against us on several occasions here in this passage. He says, watch out! You cross the street and somebody yells, watch out. What are you going to do? <laughs> Jump, hopefully, in the right direction. <laughs> you think Jesus wanted to get people's attention with this? Think he whispered, watch out. I don't think so. I, I think there was a little bit of emphasis that uh, he placed on those two words. Watch out! Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness and by the worries of this life. Don't let the day catch you unaware like a trap. For that day will come upon everyone living on the earth. What, what does that say right there? Are any of us going to be able to circumvent this? That day will come upon everyone living on the earth. Keep alert. Eh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays. Keep alert at all times and pray that you might be strong enough to escape those coming horrors and stand before the Son of Man. Current of time, familiarity, society, the flesh, daily concerns, all these things can slowly move us away from the Lord and His great salvation if we're not careful. We need to be alert. How can we avoid drifting? God's word is huge. You know, I love the uh, the situation that we have with the Bereans in Acts 17. But just keep in mind Andrew McCauley. He set out on a quest to become the first person to take a kayak from Australia to New Zealand, one of the wildest and lonely stretches of ocean on the earth. And you know, our lives as a Christian from time to time can feel just like this. You can have a day, a week, a month, maybe even a year or more, that feels like it's an incredibly lonely stretch. But we, we don't have to go it alone. We can change that very easily. And we need to be careful. You know, when Macaulay, 30 days, 900 miles later, again, he was only 25 miles from his goal, he succumbed and he drifted away forever. 50 kilometers, 25 miles succumbed you know the thing about salvation the thing about meeting our maker he knew Macaulay knew exactly how far he was going to have to go he knew exactly how many miles how many kilometers it was 
I think with us, we don't know how far we've got to go. I mean, this might be the last time you ever hear me speak. You know, tonight could be my night. And that's the bottom line with each and every one of us. That's what we're looking at. But it's not something that should have us upset. Just knowing that, you know what, if we're prepared, amen, God, bring it. I wouldn't mind getting a jump start on the rest of you. You know, there, there are days, man, I pray, Jesus, man, come back quick, because I don't know, man. Any of you ever feel that way? Bring it on quickly, Lord. And just really understanding, we don't know. We're not promised tomorrow. But you know what we do have control over? is today. You can control your drift today. You can deal with your impurity today. You can deal with a bad relationship with a brother or sister today. Get resolved. You might have issues with a parent. Whatever it may be, you've got the ability today to do something about it. Don't wait until tomorrow. Because we know we're not promised tomorrow. Hebrews 2, verse 1 says, We must pay careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that, what? We don't miss out. We don't forfeit our salvation. We don't walk away from God. We don't drift. We need to pay attention. You know, it's, it's, how many of you have ever been in a canoe or paddleboard or whatever? You ever been in a situation where all of a sudden you're realizing you're a lot further away from wherever it was you were going than you realize? You know, you're paying attention to maybe some dolphins or whatever, and all of a sudden you look and it's like, I was up in Ventura County in a kayak one day, and fog came in. I had absolutely no clue where I was. From that point on, I never went out on a kayak again without a buddy to go fishing with and you know, make sure that you know, there's a little bit of GPS action, there's a compass. It's scary, though. And just really understanding, we've got to pay careful attention. If you don't pay attention, if you're in a river, you're on the water, whatever, it can lead to drifting. And that drifting initially can be something that's very, very, very subtle. You may not even realize it. You know, you may have an opportunity to make those last-minute corrections before you end up on the rocks or you end up getting flipped over or whatever the case may be, but then again, you might not. So that's why it's so important to pay attention. We've got to pay careful attention to the things that we've heard. So let's go ahead and take a look at Acts 17, verse 11. We'll close it out here. How can we pay attention? How do we avoid drifting away? Well, the Bereans provide a good example here for us. Acts 17, verse 11 says, And the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica, and they listened eagerly to Paul's message. Here's the thing that will help avert a drift. They searched the Scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. Most of you don't know me, don't know my life, don't know my background, but you know what? You all have a Bible. You've got the ability to know God. You have the ability to know the truth. And the thing that's key is we need to get back to something that we pride ourselves on as a church, which was being a Berean. It says they were more open-minded or more noble character in some of the translations. Why? One, they were eager to hear the message. They were there when Paul preached, as you guys are tonight. You know, you've got brothers and sisters that are missing. Find out why. You know, if you have a takeaway from tonight, let them know. If it's something that helped you, let them know what it is. Find out why they missed. Why are they drifting? You know, some of them are very consistent in that drift. You know who they are. But what are we doing to help them correct their course? So they listened to the message, but they went after making sure that what was being taught was true. The way they listened, they received the word with open minds. The way they followed up. You know, you've got some scriptures you can go home and read in context and over the next few days. If you haven't been in the book of Hebrews for, in a while, there's some great stuff there that can be incredibly helpful. Take a look at it. They paid attention whenever God's word was proclaimed. You know, when it comes to our discipling relationships, make sure that you're using scriptures rather than opinions. I mean, I know some of you got some very, very, very valuable opinions. But I would venture to guess that God's is probably a little bit more valuable. He created you and gave you the strengths and weaknesses that you have that help you formulate the opinions you have. 
So God's probably got that dialed in a little bit better. Share what's helped you in those situations. But let's make sure that we get engaged and we're helping each other when it comes to these types of things. They study God's Word on their own. We have it so readily available today. Apps on your phone. You know, you can set up devotionals that will ring through on a daily basis and give you some verses to take a look at. If you want to find things topically, it's super, super easy. Don't wait on someone else to give you that assistance. Get in there and go after it on your own. And then Psalms 119, verse 10. It reads, I have tried hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. I praise you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. Be good to your servant that I may live and obey your word. Open my eyes to see the wonderful truths in your instruction. You know, the book of Romans 1 and 2 talks about what an amazing God that we have and that men are without an excuse. Someone hasn't received the gospel, you know what? It doesn't matter. They're going to be judged by their consciences. They may not have gotten the word, but... They're without an excuse because what God has created is very, very clear to each and every one of us. All you got to do is walk outside. I mean, we live in such an incredible area. Get down to the coast and look around. God's amazing. And the, the psalmist here gets that. But there was this pursuit. There was this going after God. Don't let me wander from your commands. They understood that they could drift. They could lose sight of what God had put out there. Just think through these verses over the next few days. Are you paying careful attention to the things that we have heard? Are you paying careful attention to the things that you did at first? Are you paying careful attention to your first love? Jesus Christ, who you made Lord of your life. If not, correct the drift. Don't drift away. Satan's waiting. Just like McCullough sank, Satan wants nothing more than to sink our faith. We have the ability, each and every one of us, with God, his word, prayer, and one another, to make it so we can hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. God bless. You've just listened to the Elevate podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit elevatecoastal.com.